Um, we're going to turn to God's Word uh, together. Um, and, and so it might be helpful for you to have a, a copy of the Bible in front of you, whether that's uh, on another tab on the screen or, um, or a physical Bible. Um, I could ask you to get one. If you don't have a, a, a copy of God's Word at home, then, then please do let us know. Send us a message, leave a comment, and we'll, we'll endeavor to get one to you um, in these days. But it's really good to have uh, God's Word in front of us as we, as we study it to see where we're, we're basing ourselves. Um, and I realise that, that in this current climate there are many things that we could be preaching on and uh, many of us might have questions about all that's happening in our world, uh, what God's word has to teach us um, about our attitude and response in this season. And, and I suppose I want to be upfront and say I, I'm, I'm not neglecting that, but we're not going to spend uh, time this morning thinking along those lines. I, I would hugely encourage you to uh, unpack those questions in your life group and, and if you're not connected with a life group yet, please do, as I said earlier, um, let me know and I can get you plugged into one and they are a vital part of our church life here and becoming and taking on a, an even greater significance I would say in these days um, but, but getting back to this morning uh, we're going to continue in our short series um, that we started last week the What, Why, How series uh, and through these three weeks which we started last week we're, we're looking at some of the building blocks of what it means to be a Christian and specifically what it means for us to live out that faith as part of Gilnahirk Baptist Church and so last week we examined the church what is the church? Why do we do church? And how do we do church? Uh, the, the irony um, wasn't lost on me that, that last week we celebrated the joy of being God's flock, his family, his body. When we meet together, encourage one another, spend time together. Uh, and then in the week that has followed since then, we've had to suspend all those public gatherings. Uh, but, but I actually don't think that the teaching from last week and how we're meeting this week are contradictory. Um, yes, in, in normal circumstances, it is good for God's people to physically gather together for teaching, for sharing communion, for worshipping him through singing and praying together. Th- these are good and right things, but, but in not being able to meet together, we don't stop being church. So as we saw last week, church is so much more than the gathered meeting. It's, it's so much more than the physical building. And so uh, the, the, the church is the people of God who, who unite under the saving name of Jesus Christ. So those who are followers of Jesus are brothers and sisters in him, uh, not just with Christians locally, but with Christians universally. And so God's family goes way beyond our city line, way beyond country borders, uh, beyond continents. Uh, and so in this strange time, we, we do continue to be God's people, his church together. And locally here in Gilnahirk Baptist, we're, we're having to think a little bit more creatively about how we continue to spur one another on, as we saw in Hebrews 10 last week. Um, but we continue to do so as his church, his flock, his family and his body in this place. And, and so that's a, a bit of a snapshot of last week of when we studied the what, why and how of church. Um, but today we're, we're going to move on and think of one of our practices and rhythms in church life. And, and that is baptism. And so as, as Gilnark Baptist Church, it's hopefully clear that, that baptism is something we, we care about deeply and we see the, the biblical value in. Um, and this morning we're going to specifically look at it in, in a little bit more detail. Um, and perhaps you've been baptised yourself, but uh, it's something you haven't thought about in a while. And if that's the case, I hope this morning's a helpful reminder of your experience and, and helps you to reflect on the significance of your baptism in your life and your walk with God. Um, perhaps you haven't been baptised or, or you've never even really thought of it. Uh, and I hope this morning sparks an interest in you to discover more about what God says about baptism and and maybe even explore getting baptised yourself. Uh, and so we'll look at baptism under those three headings. What is it? Why do we do it? And how do we do it here 
at Gilnerd Baptist. What is it? How do we do it? And why? How do we? Sorry. What is it? Why do we do it? And how do we do it here in Gilnerd? So, so let's begin by thinking about what baptism is. Um, well, baptism is something that's that's practiced in every Christian church around the world in some form or another, and and most agree it's it's got something to do with water, although it can be practiced in different churches in very different ways. Um, and I realise that that what we believe about uh, what baptism is 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 one of the things that can cause division amongst God's people. Um, but this morning, that that's in no way my intention. This is not intended to be an attack on anyone who views this practice as differently than we do. Um, this is simply a way for us to clarify our conviction of what we believe baptism is, why we do it, and how we practice it here in in Gilnerd. And so, as we consider what is baptism, I suppose there's uh, there's a very practical answer uh, to what happens when someone is baptized. Uh, so baptism is the, the process of being fully immersed in water and brought out again. That, that's in essence what baptism is. But of course, there's a deeper level to that question, isn't there? Uh, baptism is, is not just a ritual we go through where we dunk people in a tank. Uh, it, it has incredible significance for us. And so what else do we believe baptism is? Um, well, it's our belief that uh, on reading the New Testament that, that baptism was a step that people took after they had put their faith in Jesus. After they had heard the good news of Jesus, this message that Jesus, who is fully God, he he came to earth, he died on the cross, taking the penalty of their sin, yet rose from the dead to show he has ultimate power, authority and victory. That's the good news of Jesus. And so in many in the New Testament who heard that good news then responded with baptism. And so it seems that baptism is very closely connected to responding to God's offer of forgiveness and grace. Uh, and there are many examples that we could look at um, this morning, but uh, particularly in the book of Acts. But we're just going to look at one, and that's found in Acts chapter 16. And so, as I said, if you had a copy of God's Word, please do turn there to Acts chapter 16. Um, and we're going to be looking at uh, a, a section of the second half of that chapter. Um, and we're jumping right into the middle of an account of some of the early church leaders who've been thrown into prison. And so, Paul and Silas, they're in a place called Philippi. Uh, they've been sharing the good news of Jesus and it's landed them in some trouble and they find themselves being locked up, um, at least for, for the night. And they've been put under some extra security measures right in the middle of the prison. Um, and we're going to pick up the account in verse 25 of Acts chapter 16. So um, read along with me if you can. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his households were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. This is an an incredible passage of scripture. There's so much that we could that we could explore here and hopefully we'll come back to it in more detail at some point but for now let's consider what, what does this passage teach us about baptism well clearly uh, as we mentioned a moment ago the act of baptism it, it follows a profession of faith in Jesus Christ but 
But then what does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ? Well, well, I want to walk through these verses and map out the jailer's journey. You see, in verse 30, we see that the jailer comes to Paul and Silas and explicitly says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This, now this might sound like a, a strange question because we haven't actually seen a huge amount of evidence that Paul and Silas have been talking with him about his need to be saved. Or maybe we have actually. You see, in verse 25, it was about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. So they've been, Paul and Silas have been praying and singing, the other jailers have been listening. Now we're, now we're not told the details of what they prayed and sung, although we are told that they sing hymns to God. Clearly what they had prayed and sung would have given those who overheard an insight into their faith in Jesus and their trust in God. And then actually if we look back earlier than what we read, back into verse 17, uh, we see that the reality that one of the reasons Paul and Silas find themselves in prison is because of their interaction with a, with a woman who was following them around on the streets of Philippi. And as she followed them, she kept shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And then Paul and Silas and others with them, that, that obviously caused quite a stir in the town because then they get chucked into prison because they've been uh, accused of causing an uproar. So it's fair to assume that the jailer was aware of the message that Paul and Silas had been sharing. The message of salvation, the need to be saved. And so in response to, to the jailer's question in verse 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas answer explicitly in verse 31. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. We, we, we can't skip over that sentence too quickly. Those are, those are ten words that can change your whole life for now and for all eternity. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And, and believe is, is to, to, to put your trust in, to put your hope in. It's not believe in some kind of fairy tale or, or blind faith in something that you're unsure of. No, believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Something solid, something concrete. And so when it comes to believing in the Lord Jesus, if you don't know him as your, as your saviour this morning, can I encourage you to study him, to examine him, to, to question him, to marvel at him, to see that his claims are true, that he is who he says he is. He is the son of God and he, and he did what he said he would do. He took the penalty of the sin that separates us from our loving God. He, he pays the debt that is ours to pay and he defeated sin. And he rose from the grave to show his power and his, his guarantee of a life with him and a life for all eternity. See, this is the good news of Jesus. That, that we deserve to pay the eternal penalty of our sin. But rather, our God who is love stepped into our world to pay that penalty on our behalf. So that we're, we're no longer enemies of his. But, but he calls us sons and daughters. He, he welcomes us with his, his kindness and his grace and his eternal presence. This is the good news of Jesus. That's the message of salvation. And so what do we do with that message? Is that a message we believe? Is that a, a claim that you've put your trust in before? If it's not, then please do reach out to somebody. Someone, many of us will be so willing to help you discover more. Thank God for what he's done on the cross. Plead with him for forgiveness from your sin. Ask him to strengthen you by his spirit to live a life in his way. Or maybe you do believe that message. Maybe you have put your trust in Jesus. That's wonderful. 
what we're going to see from the from the jailer's example is that our challenge is now well how is our life demonstrating that see the, the good news of Jesus isn't to be like an ornament that sits on our shelves or, or a painting in a gallery that we admire faith in Jesus is to be grasped it is to be believed and it is to be believed in such a way that transforms our lives you see that the jailer in this account he believes and that belief automatically flows into action so in verse 33 we see that at that hour of the night the jailer took them and washed their wounds these prisoners he was supposed to be keeping locked up he washes them and eventually then in verse 34 the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them his lifestyle his priorities his outlook had been transformed and we're told the reason for that transformation tucked into the middle of verse 34 the jailer brought them to his house and set a meal before them he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in god he and his whole household joy that's the response to the good news of Jesus. It's, that's why it's called good news. Now, now of course, that, that doesn't mean that following Jesus always leads to a, a happier and healthier life. But this joy is a, is a much deeper contentment. It's based on our assurance of, of hope and life and salvation. It's not always a happy, clappy, emotional response, but it, it's like an underlying state of being because we know we're grounded on something unshakable. And I realise I wasn't going to, I said I wasn't going to talk much about COVID-19, but surely it's appropriate here because being a follower of Jesus, believing in Jesus, knowing that we're saved should make a difference to our outlook in these difficult and challenging and even dangerous days. Following Jesus doesn't mean that we're flippant about the government advice. It doesn't mean we're, we're not rigorous in our hand washing, but it does mean that we know that none of what we're facing has surprised our sovereign God. None of what we're facing diminishes his love for us and his world. None of what we're facing reduces our hope in eternity with him. And so rather we, we face the current circumstances as those who trust. And we trust, and this is difficult, but we trust that even in sickness, even in death, God is still God. He is still good. He is still our loving Heavenly Father who has, who has saved us through his Son on the cross. You see, that, that, that's joy in the midst of trial. That's joy in the midst of sorrow and, and joy in the midst of pain and, and what is so, off, so, cap, uh, so encapsulating around us, this, this sense of fear. But no, we have joy. That's the foundation upon which we see all of life. That's the source of our joy. It's not based on our circumstances. It's based on our true and wonderful message of salvation from God our Father. And so even in the midst of sorrow and pain and fear, we have this contentment and peace and joy because we know that this life is not all there is. And that doesn't mean that we're flippant. It doesn't mean that we don't take this seriously in terms of health. But it does mean that our outlook is transformed because we believe in the Lord Jesus and we will be saved. Just in case you think we've um, we've ventured a long way from our question what is baptism and um, let's look back over what we've seen before you see the jailer's example in Acts 16 shows us that he believed in Jesus and that was a milestone moment in his life he, he heard the good news of Jesus and he believed we, we would say we would use the language that he became a Christian 
And indeed, we're told a couple of times in verse 32 and in verse 34 that he and his whole household heard this great message and believed and were baptized. And as a result of believing the jailer and his household, in verse 33, they were baptized. They, they found some water and they were baptized. And so, so baptism is being immersed in water. Yes, that, that's the very practical what it is. And that takes place after you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And, and hopefully that's clear, but, but I'm sure some of us are still wondering why. What is it about being immersed in water that's a fitting response to believing in Jesus? Well, to help us think that through, um, we need to consider what baptism symbolises. Uh, and that leads us to ask the question, why? So we've seen what is baptism. Let's move on to think about why do we do baptism? Well, as I mentioned, the, the act of being immersed in water, being lowered into water and then being brought up out of it, rising out of it again, is a symbol for us in baptism. It's not that there's anything special about the water in the tank. It, this is a picture for us. And the best way to think of it is of an outward sign of an inward reality. Why do we do baptism? Baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. And this is shown for us really clearly at the start of Romans 6. And so why don't you turn there if you can, Romans chapter 6. Um, and we're just going to read the first four verses. Uh, and as you're looking that up, um, let me just explain where we're jumping into. The, the Apostle Paul's writing to, to Christians gathered in Rome, inspired by the Spirit. And he's just been saying at the end of chapter 5 that, that where sin has been increasing, God's grace has increased all the more. In, in other words, God's grace can't be outdone by sin. Um, but, but just so that no one twists Paul's words to suggest that we should therefore keep on sinning so that we experience more of God's grace uh, he jumps in in the start of chapter 6 what shall we say then shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means we are those who have died to sin how can we live in it any longer or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death we were therefore buried with him through baptism in death, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So can you see the symbolism that Paul's mentioning here in relation to baptism? Those who have been, been baptised into Jesus were baptised into his death, which is symbolised by the lowering into the water, being, being cleansed from sin, not, not by the water, but as an outward picture of an inward reality. We were lowered into the water, representing our death to sin, then rising out of the water speaks of being of Christ being raised from the dead. It's a picture of our new life that we now live in him. And so the physical acts of being lowered into the water, being brought back up, they're an outward sign of an inwardly experienced death to sin, confession of sin, forgiveness from Jesus. Coming out of the water then displays a new life that we're living in him, that life of joy and obedience that we talked about earlier. And so this is a very powerful act. In this one act, we see a picture of our past and our future, our past sin, which we have died to, or our old self, um, which we've been told to put off in Colossians 3, and then our present and future reality with Christ seeking to walk in his ways and follow his example. And so, so why do we do baptism? Well, it's an incredible symbol. It's a symbol. It's an outward sign of an inward reality. That, that's one reason why we do it. Um, but another reason why we do it is uh, because we're commanded to as an act of obedience. Um, so when Jesus is giving his final instructions to his disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel, um, those well-known verses in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, 
Um, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 read, Therefore go, this is Jesus speaking, the ascended Jesus, about to be taken back into heaven. Sorry, the resurrected Jesus, about to be taken back into heaven. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so our command and our, our commission from Jesus is to go and make disciples and baptize them. And so followers of Jesus are to go into the world to, and to seek to make more followers of Jesus. And in doing so, we baptize them. And that's what seemed to be demonstrated throughout the book of Acts as his first disciples seek to do um, exactly that. So, so why do we do baptism? Well, it's an outward sign of an inward reality. And it's a step of obedience commanded by Jesus. And thirdly then, as to why we do baptism, well, it's a public declaration of that faith that we have. So as I mentioned, baptism, it's this outward sign of the inward reality. But that outward sign has greater value if other people see it. And and so by going public with your faith through baptism, you're providing an opportunity for those that you know and love to be witnesses of your faith in Jesus. It's, It's a display of your commitment to him and your desire to live for him. And so that's what baptism is. That's, that's what baptism is and that's why we do it and we do it because uh, not only is it this rich symbol we're commanded to and also it's this public declaration of your faith in Jesus then the final thing that I want us to think about we've seen the what we've seen the why let's think about the how and we'll, this will be very brief um, but the practicality of how we do baptism well, we've covered some of that as we've talked about that act of being fully immersed in water um, but there's another couple of steps so, so, so if you're interested in exploring baptism with us, then, then please do speak to any of us as elders. Uh, we'd be more than happy to discuss that further and, and, and to help you discern whether that is a step that God is calling you to. Um, we would then, uh, if, if, if we were going to go ahead with that, we would then arrange a service of baptism where you would, you would be baptized in church and, and invite your friends and family uh, to come and witness and celebrate that with you. Yeah. And so if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you're seeking to live your life for him, but you haven't been baptized yet, then, then please do pray about it. Uh, read through some of the passages that we've looked at this morning or, or ask me to, uh, or, or others even, um, for other passages that might be helpful for you as you seek to discern that. Uh, but speak to others about whether this is something uh, God is leading you towards, he's calling you to. Uh, and if you've been baptized in the past, I hope this morning has been a helpful reminder to you of, of what you have already experienced. Perhaps it's, it's been a while since you appreciated the, the powerful reality that, that you have known inwardly, which you displayed outwardly. Well, let's reflect on the wonder of knowing Jesus, believing in Jesus and living for him. Let, let's reflect on that once again as we ponder baptism. And for all of us this morning, I hope that, that this has been a helpful time in God's word together as, as we've tried to clarify some of the what, why and how of baptism. Baptism is a a wonderful gift that God has given us to help us better appreciate the the incredible work he has done in our lives. How he has forgiven us from sin. He has has set us on a new path in him. It points us to a reality of of Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. It points us to the glorious good news that Jesus brings to each one of us. And so I would just want to finish by echoing Paul and Silas' words to the jailer. When he questions, what must I do to be saved? But believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our stronghold and our rock and our our fortress as we saw earlier together. Uh, And so if we have believed in him, then perhaps we would consider 
that following in the example that he, he gave us, the, the, the command he gave us, and we would question whether uh, we should be baptised too. So we'd love to help you uh, discuss any of that further. Um, please do fire on some comments if you'd like, um, and we can have a discussion here, or email uh, me at the church, or even the general church uh, email address, which is info at gilnaherkbaptist.org.uk, um, or get in touch with the, any of the elders uh, or your life group leader. That would be brilliant. Um, but as we as we finish our time in God's Word, can we pray together? Uh, and then we'll, we'll move on from there. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, we do thank you for your word. Uh, and we thank you for uh, the wonderful opportunity we've had this morning to, to explore more of it in depth. Thank you, Father, for uh, th- this time together. Uh, even though it's been different for us, it's been new for many of us. Thank you uh, that you've given us this time. That we have the technology and we have the ability and the software to do it. Thank you, Father. We don't take it lightly. Um, and we thank you for baptism, that, that, that wonderful outward sign of the inward reality. Um, and, and Father, as much as we are grateful for baptism, we are grateful for the reality that we have that inward reality to celebrate. And we have your saving work. And many of us know that um, for ourselves. Thank you, God, for your saving work on the cross. And thank you for taking the penalty of the sin that was mine to pay. Uh, and instead, then, you, you bestow your righteousness on me. God, this is grace, this is mercy, this is good news. And so we thank you for it. And God, in, in, in this moment, God, I, I pray for those who are gathered around screens and devices. Um, God, may we know uh, the joy of life with Jesus in these difficult days. May we know your peace and your contentment um, in, in these trying times. Um, and in all things, Father, in all things, we pray that your name would be glorified. We pray that your kingdom would be extended. And so it is in that wonderful saving name that we ask these things. For your glory alone, Lord. Amen.